Good morning, Life Center. Everybody survived Christmas. It's good to see everybody here today. I hope you had a fantastic time with your friends and family uh, over the Christmas holiday. And I just want to say for my family, thank you for all the kind words, cards, and gifts that you guys gave to us. We appreciate it very, very much. And uh, we're grateful to be part of such, a, such an awesome church community. How many of you love my church? That's right. Amen. It's good to see everybody here today, and we are going to wrap things up. I got to say, 2018 was a red-letter year for us at Life Center. Some just amazing things have happened this year. People baptized, lives changed, we're growing. Uh, we, hit, we hit numbers this year. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We've hit numbers this year that have far exceeded anything that we've seen the last 10 years. It's amazing, and that's because... God's doing great stuff here. It's because people are buying into the vision of the house. It's because we, we know what we're doing. We're clear about what our purpose is. And we love to see God change lives, right? That is why we're here. And so thank you for everything that you've done to make this year great. And I'm telling you what I'm excited about next year. Uh, I just, there's a lot of amazing things that are coming. It's just going to be, 19 is going to be amazing. Just go ahead and write it down. It's going to be amazing. So Thank you for being part of this, and we're going to wrap up our series today that we've been doing over Christmas, He Will Be Called. Uh, it's, been, it's been great. I loved Christmas, the church uh, Sunday before Christmas, and our Christmas Eve service was fantastic, uh, was wonderful. So what we've been talking about, though, is a prophecy that Isaiah made about the Christ some 700 years before Christ was born. And we've been unpacking this, and it comes out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we talked about how, as a Wonderful Counselor, he represents us. He ensures that the accusations that our enemy throws at us are defeated and they don't apply to us. He sets us free from the bonds of sin. And as a Mighty God, he works for us, in us. And through us, revealing every good work that he has for us, right? And as our everlasting father, Pastor Scott talked about this. He brings us into a family, loving us in spite of our weakness. Pastor Scott said this. He's like, there is nothing that you can do that's too bad. There's nothing that you can do that's good enough to earn the love of God. It just is, right? It just is. And so we, un- we, we, we saw what that looked like. We talked about that. And the thing I like about the everlasting father is he calls greatness out of us. He didn't create losers. He created people that are going to change the world, and he calls that greatness out of you and I as our heavenly father. And today we're going to talk about Prince of Peace, the fourth thing that the prophet talked about in that passage of Scripture, promising the Messiah was coming. And so we've, we've, we've just finished the Christmas season. We've had the Christmas story read to us, portrayed to us. We've talked about it. We've listened to it. And we understand that the, the, the glimpse of, that we capture of the events surrounding Jesus' birth was anything but peaceful. He was born in a barn because there was no place for him to be uh, in a hospital or a better room. He was laid in a manger because there was no room anywhere else for him. His parents had just taken a long journey to come to 
the, the capital of their, of, their, of their region so that they could be counted because the Jews were still under bondage by the Roman Empire. This was not a peaceful place that Jesus was born into, but that is how Jesus came to be. And so uh, as he was born and then progressed, he got a little older. King Herod found out that there was a king that was born. And when he couldn't find it, he just said that every male child from the age of two and under was going to be slaughtered. And so they slaughtered all the male children that were around the same age that Jesus would have been. But the Lord had created an, uh, an escape for them, and they were in Egypt. So there was chaos around Jesus' birth. And if you look at where we live today, we would also say that it's not peaceful, right? We don't live in a peaceful world. We live in a world filled with chaos, and it's still uh, tumultuous. Every time you look at the news, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's fighting, there's stuff happening that I never thought I would see happen. You know, we have to worry about our kids being in school, Kids have to understand what what to do if there's an active shooter. Who would have thought that that's the kind of world we would live in, but that is the kind of world we live in. And so sometimes actually I I wonder, you know, what, why, if he's the Prince of Peace, why is there so uh, little peace in the world? And, And it's not even just out there. It's in the lives of believers, believers that, that follow Christ. They're struggling with, with, with unrest. Marriages are in turmoil. Many, many, it's statistically proven now that just about as many believers have divorces as unbelievers. So it's, it's, those things are all falling apart. There's relational strife in the family, out of the family. There's internal turmoil. Sometimes people that say they believe God and they trust God, they struggle with fear and anxiety and they struggle with not feeling good enough and their mind just messes with them feeling less than what God created him to be, financial stress. Where is the Prince of Peace is what I'm really trying to ask you. Did he come and not really do his job? Did the Prince of Peace show up and, and we just missed it somehow? It doesn't seem like when Jesus came as the Prince of Peace that we're really getting to see what that looks like. So that being the, the stage that we are currently on and the stage that he came to, Still unpeaceful, still a lot of unrest. What does it really mean when we look at the Prince of Peace? So let's, let's break it down. What does Prince of Peace actually mean? What is it interpreted from? From the Hebrew, it, it actually comes from a word, two words that are sar shalom. Sar means lord, captain, or chief. That's what that word means. And shalom means rest, tranquility, wholeness, and completeness. So if you, if you actually took Prince of Peace and interpreted it, from that context, you would basically get something like the Lord of rest or the captain of tranquility or the chief of completeness. In other words, peace is not just the absence of trouble. It's much bigger than that. It's much deeper than that. And I think in order for us to really fully understand and experience the, the peace that the prince of peace, the chief of completeness, the, the prince of tranquility that he brings, we have to understand how we fit into his plan. We have to understand who he is in our life. We have to come under his lordship in order to experience what he brings to us. What does that mean to come under his lordship? It simply means that Christ is lord of every, every part of our lives, not just our church part, not just the, the I believe in God part, but we allow God to be the, the leader, the, the, the lord of every area of our life. We can't live with no regard for Christ and his principles and expect to be able to experience the peace that he brings. Does that make sense? 
In order for us to experience the Prince of Peace, we have to come under his guidance and under his leadership and allow him to be the Lord of our life. I like the progression. I don't know if you noticed it, but when the prophet gave these words, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, there's, there's a progress happening here. And it's, it's pretty amazing. As the counselor, we're allowing him, Pastor Scott talked about this when he said, as, as the wonderful counselor, we have to listen to what he says to us, and then we have to do what he says to do. As our counselor, he represents us. When the enemy comes against us and saying, you know what, you're always going to be fill in the blank. You're never going to be better than fill in the blank. You'll always struggle with fill in the blank. The wonderful counselor says, no, I represent my client. That is not who my client is. My client is a whole person. My client is not an addict. My client is an overcomer. You, you, you follow me? The wonderful counselor represents us because we cannot represent ourselves. We can't pay the price for sin ourselves, and so we have a counselor that represents us. As the mighty God in us, it's progressing. As the mighty God, he's in us. We've allowed him to come in. Now he's working in us, for us, and through us. As the everlasting father, we recognize that we've been invited into a family that we don't deserve. We don't deserve the love God gives, but yet he brings us in. I I just read this this week. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says, we can boldly approach the throne. And the the word picture there, the description that's happening there is imagine if we had kings today. None of us in this room would be able to just waltz into the king's palace right up to his throne and say, how's it going? That's not how protocol would demand it, right? But when in that context, as he painted that picture, let's fast forward. Let's say we could just walk into the White House, into the Oval Office, and just give Trump a high five. That's not how that works, right? But what the scripture is saying here is we now have a father. We now have the ability to approach that throne anytime we need it. That's the, the, the beauty of what Christ did for us is he brings us into a family as the everlasting father. And then finally, it reaches this place of prince of peace. And this is when we become fully submitted to his lordship in our life, that that peace begins to overtake our life. And that's what I want to help us understand a little bit today. There's two areas that his peace is realized. Two areas, if you're taking notes, two things. The first one is this, the peace that comforts us. John 14, 27, peace, Jesus said this, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Pay attention to that. It's powerful. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He gives his peace because he knows all things. We don't know the future, do we? We don't know what's going to happen when we get in our car and pull out onto the street this morning. We don't know any of those things. We live in many cases with a false sense of peace, thinking that everything is okay. But at any given moment, tragedy could come. Our world could be flipped upside down. We don't know that. But because we live under his peace, he knows the future. He says that he knows the ending from the beginning. So if I'm under him, I'm allowing that peace of the unknown to rest with me. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. He says not to be troubled because he is giving us his peace. A few years ago, there's a. Uh, it was back when I lived in Washington State. Actually, um, there was a, a gentleman that attended my father-in-law's church, who's here today. My father-in-law, not the person that attended the church. Uh, 
And he was a police officer. And he's actually, uh, I think this is not too long ago, it was five years, if I remember correctly, that he was actually killed in the line of duty. Uh, an amazing police officer. He was like a cop's cop. And, and I, got to, I got the wonderful experience to do a ride-along with him. Fascinating. Every boyhood dream was fulfilled in that moment. We had a car chase. He pulled his gun. We took somebody to jail. I mean, I was like, I was the man. <laughs> it was amazing. It was super, super cool. So he, he, he promised me, he's like, I'm going to show you a good time. We are going to have fun tonight. And man, we did. It was awesome. So, so I got to ride along with him. And he told me before we left, he's like, okay, you just have to follow my lead, do what I tell you to do, and, and we're going to have a good time. So, so we're, we're driving around. He's like, we're going to go find some action. And so he's like, I know a place where, where stuff goes down all the time. And this was in Tacoma, and Tacoma has some rough areas uh, in it, and he was not afraid to go sniffing it out. So here I am riding along, scrawny dude, you know, really hoping this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> so we're riding along, and sure enough, he goes to a spot, and he pulls up in front of a car, and there's some stuff going on in the car, and he opens his door, and I'm sitting here, you know, I'm white-eyed, and he's like, let me see your hands, and they don't move fast enough. Boy, and he guns out, you know, behind the door. I was like, this is amazing. It was fantastic. I was like, yeah, what he said. <laughs> it was awesome. So he was, he was doing his cop thing, and, and the, the, the cool thing about it is I was not worried at all. I had peace because he had a peace. <laughs> And a badge to go with his peace. And so because I was with Jake, I was okay. I was peaceful. I, was, I didn't care what. I figured he knows what he's doing. I'm just going to watch the show. And then we went and we had to do some other stuff. And he had to go to a house to, to uh, he was following up on something. And so he's like, listen, you're in plain clothes. He's like, I'm going to introduce you as Detective Andrew. It's like, whatever you say, man, whatever you say, you're the boss. So we go to the house, we knock on the door, and he says, I'm Officer Jake, and this is Detective Andrew, and we have a few questions for you. The amazing thing about that whole deal is I'm, obviously, I'm just riding along. I don't know anything about anything. And because Jake, the guy with the piece and the badge, said, this is Detective Andrew, the person that we were talking to just assumed that I was Detective Andrew. I was who Jake said I was, right? And everybody in the room assumed that I was who Jake said. That is what it looks like when we realize who the Prince of Peace is in our life. When we're under his lordship, it doesn't matter what people think about you. It matters what he says about you. You can live in peace in a world filled with chaos because he says, I've given you my peace. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid because you are under my protection and my guarantee and my security. People may look at you and think, man, your life's in chaos. But when you're connected with Jesus Christ, friend, you have peace in here that the world cannot understand, that people may not understand. But if he says, this is who you are, that is who you are indeed. Who the Son is set free is free indeed. You know, peace doesn't always look like we expect it to in many cases. And and maybe we just don't feel like we're experiencing that kind of peace. Maybe as a believer, you're kind of confused right now because you get the the wonderful counselor, you get the mighty God, you get the everlasting Father, but you just do not have peace in your life. Maybe you're still struggling with, with stress and anxiety and you're anxious and you're still not feeling like, like you are everything that God intended for you to be. And you're, you're trying to figure 
it all out. You're still trying to put the pieces together. You're still trying to fix every struggle that you have within yourself. You're still trying to put all the pieces together and line all your ducks in a row, and you're, you're still attempting to solve everything alone. That, my friend, is living outside the lordship of Christ. And the reason why you don't have peace in your life is because you are still trying to fix it. I said this in the beginning. To understand what it means to have Christ as Lord of your life, he has to be Lord in every part of your life. If work is stress for you and you're struggling with that and you're trying to put it all together, you've got to learn how to relinquish that to God and say, you know what, God, I don't know how to fix this. You're going to have to do it for me. I don't have the answer. We've got to learn how to leave these things at his feet. And yes, it is easier said than done. I acknowledge that. It is hard to understand how do I take my struggle, my stress, my concern, how do I literally leave it at his feet? It's a practice. It's an exercise. It's a trust. It's a work of faith. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, time out. Time out. Do not be, do not be worried about Do not be. Okay, that's not possible. Because there's always something that's stressing me out. Don't be anxious, stressed about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That is a fantastic verse. It sounds amazing. It is really hard to do. It's really hard whenever a problem comes that I don't automatically go to my tool chest and try to find the right wrench to fix the problem. It is my natural response. Whenever problems come, I have to fix this. Whenever there's something that's going wrong, I have to fix this. Especially guys, we're fixers generally. And so that's where we automatically go. Christ is telling us, listen, you can do it that way, but you're going to live outside of my lordship. You're not going to experience the peace that I can give if you're still trying to fix everything. Instead, quit worrying about stuff, and in every single situation, first come to me and let me know what you're struggling with. Let me know what the problem is. And in verse 7 it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a powerful, powerful statement and a promise. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have to learn how to release all those things that we are carrying to God. Living under the lordship of the Lord of rest means we have to give our problems to him. We have to relinquish our control to him. We have to give him the things that we think we have to manage. The things that we don't know uh, if we can really do it or, or, or let God have it. I've got to control this. I've got to stay on top of this. No, I've got to give that to God. This isn't peace that the world gives. It transcends understanding. And what that tells me is it's going to come in a way that I will not recognize it. If it transcends all understanding, that means I'm not going to really understand how God does this. If it's not the same kind of peace that I'm familiar with and it's beyond and above my understanding, I'm not going to understand or know what it looks like 
when it comes. I want to tell you this. It doesn't mean that your issues and problems vanish. It means you carry them not by yourself, but he carries them for you. It doesn't mean that that all that stuff disappears. It means you have a wonderful counselor that's fighting for you, a mighty God that's breaking barriers for you, and an everlasting father that is holding you close when you don't know what to do next. That's what it means when we're relinquishing that to God. And secondly, it's the peace that saves us. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not justified by good works, are you? No, you're not justified because you've been a good person. You're justified through your faith in Christ. That's what does it. That's what brings the peace that he has for you. When we relinquish that to him and we trust that he is our answer. It's through faith in Christ that we are saved and it can experience the peace with God. I want you to look around the room. Look around the room. Every person that you are looking at has lied, perhaps. They've stolen, perhaps. They've lusted, for sure. They've hated, I'm pretty sure. They've envied, yep, pretty much. And they've been consumed with jealousy. And you could probably point to someone that's let anger control them. You probably could pick somebody out who's had a vice, an addiction that's dominated their life. Everybody in this room, not one of us, not one of us is sinless. You may think, well, I did really good this week. You're still not sinless. <laughs> I say, well, I didn't hit anybody. I didn't cuss anybody out. I didn't cheat on my wife. I, great. <laughs> I'm proud of you. But you're not sinless. None of us are. And the, the, the beauty of what we just celebrated, the season that we just are coming out of, the beauty of that was the gift that heaven gave when God chose to become human like us, chose to live with the struggles that you and I have to live with so that fast forward after his death and resurrection, Paul could write, we have a high priest that knows exactly what we feel like and what we struggle with and the addictions that control us and the vices that try to lock us down and the hatred that boils up in our heart even though we try to keep it at bay and the jealousy that just eats at us because we want to be like that person over there. It's just who we are. We're broken. But he didn't leave us there. For God so loved the world. Every one of us are born of earthly fathers. No immaculate conceptions in this room. Quite sure of it no matter how awesome you think you are. (laughs) We're all born of earthly fathers. We have sinful bloodlines. I mean, you guys know this. You don't have to teach a kid to lie, do you? You don't have to teach a kid how not to share. You don't have to teach a kid how to be angry. You don't have to teach your child. Listen, this is what it looks like when we're losing our temper. Watch me. None of that has to be taught. Instead, we spend the majority of these years with the word no. (laughs) No, stop, no, you can't do it. You can't hit people in the face. It's not cool. You don't have to teach that broken nature. That's, That's who we are. That's who we are. But when Jesus came, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He does not have an earthly bloodline. There is no sin in him. So he came to this world. He was tempted just like you and I are. 
Same kind of pressure, same kind of struggle, same kind of things that went on. I'm sure every emotion that we have felt, he felt in some form or fashion. But because he was sinless, he overcame those things and he chose to redeem us and empower us with his spirit so that we don't have to succumb to those things any longer, but we can rise above those things. We can have his peace in us because we're justified by our faith that we have in him. You will never be able to earn it. You will never be good enough. Your best day is still not sufficient unless you understand that Christ is your Savior. He's your Prince of Peace. No matter where you've been or what you've done, He will still be your solution if you let Him. He is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. The peace that the world gives says this, You have to fix all your problems first, then you'll have peace. You have to be a better person first, then peace will come. You have to be more like that person or that person, and then you'll have peace in your life. The world says peace is the absence of trouble. The peace that Jesus gives is very different. It says you're justified by your faith in Christ, and as a result, you have peace with God. He also told us this, it's okay to have trouble. Peace does not mean the absence of trouble. In fact, Jesus said it this way, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What that means is we find out there's cancer. Immediately we're afraid. Immediately there's fear. Immediately there's anxiety. But we take it to God. And somehow a peace settles over our heart. And we keep going because we know that God has it. We hear that we're losing our job. Immediately panic comes. We don't know what to do. We start immediately trying to think of how we're going to survive. We pray. And then God just gives a peace. This is what it means when it says it transcends all understanding. In that moment, I should not feel peace. In that moment of chaos, I should not be peaceful. Everyone looking at me says, how are you peaceful? You should not be. Your world's falling apart. But when we're in God's plan and we're under his lordship, he brings something to us that we can't explain. And that peace that passes understanding, that transcends understanding, it rests in us. Because we've said, you know what? I can't control my future. I don't know what tomorrow holds. All I have is this moment right now. And I'm relinquishing this to you. Circumstances should not dictate your peace. God gives you peace.